Texas. I've, I've done a lot of things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so how do you do that? How, facing a terminally ill disease and maintaining the energy positivity that what, what is your secret to making sure that you show up as your best self? And, and I, I mean, I purpose you mentioned, so how do you do that? How do you can on that? I, I think it's, you know, I, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. I'm, I'm six foot eight. You can't tell that from me sitting down. <laughs> but I think one of, you know, I started playing basketball when I was nine, played all the way up till I graduated when I was 21. And I think what I learned, not, not I think, I know what I learned from being part of team sports was the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. You know, you realize on a team that if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. So it's it's just being part of something that's bigger than me. Wow, that's so powerful. Uh, who's your favorite mentor? Um, all right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. What's up, Vision Pros? I'm so excited to be here today. My name is Jackson Callum. I am the host of Vision Pros, CEO, founder of First Class Business, and I've got an amazing person on deck today. Uh, if you're looking for any types of motivation and purpose and growth, or you know that's going to help you facilitate your vision, then Terry Tucker is the man to be listening to right now. So I can't wait to bring him on the stage. Uh, absolute humility on his side as well. I'm going to push all the confidence and, and uh, boisterous accolades on him because of what he's overcoming in life and how he's showing up. He is currently facing terminal illness and he shows up as a, uh, I mean, you would just never know it. The, the leadership, the aura that he has, I can't wait to bring him on stage. That's why I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit. So um, I'll bring Terry on in just a minute. I do want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors. Why? Because I really believe in these systems. These aren't people who pay me to put them here. They're people I've chosen. They're systems that I've chosen because they help with our growth. That's why Capshow uh, used to be on there. Um, and they still could be resurrected on there someday. But I like to share with people the behind the scenes secrets to how we do what we do and why we do it um, the way that we do it. So with Cold Click, Cold Click is run by a man named Art, Art Hoffman. Uh, Art is a good friend of mine. And the reason why I work with him on we were friends for a couple of years before I decided to bring him into the mix. And we were using Ulink for LinkedIn automation. We were using something called Octopus or something like that. It, he actually incorporates that with a T Octopus. Um, and we've used buzz.ai as well. None of those systems are bad. They're all, they're all fine and dandy and help. But Art has really helped us make sure that we're protecting the accounts while maximizing the exposure that we get through LinkedIn automation that helps people come to us more naturally without us having to go one at a time to people and try to try to find people who actually want to get to know us. So I highly recommend it. Then there's tapmental.io and that is Dave Goodall. David actually came through our pre-show experience, loved what he saw, became a client. And over the course of getting to know each other the last two months, I've become very impressed with what he's doing for his clients. A lot of times people join us and they don't walk the talk as well as I thought they were going to. And then I'm in this position where I'm like, great, we got to build case studies up. We got to really help this guy like refine things. Not Dave. Dave's very good at what he does. He helps 
business owners with their psychology so that they can implement systems that are more effective and ultimately gain time freedom back. He's very good at it. He's got some great case studies on there. Feel free to check out tapmental.io. And if you're in a giving mood right now, please go ahead and contribute to The Water Project. The Water Project is a great opportunity to help people gain access to clean drinking water. And I also want to hear what ideas Terry has in relation to giving back and building purpose. So without further ado, I'm going to bring him on stage. Terry, thank you for joining me on Vision Pros Live. Well, Jackson, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today. Absolutely. We're going to be looking at your website, Motivational Check. We're going to be diving into the 600 podcast episodes that you've done and beyond. Um, what I want to get to first, though, is really defining who should be listening right now. So who would you define as the audience, Terry, that should listen to this episode? Why should they listen to you specifically? And what are they going to get out of today's show, do you think? Yeah, those are those are great questions. Uh, one, I'm old, so I have maturity and experience. Yes, <laughs> that is a virtue that people hide from. Good for you. So I would absolutely say that I, I have I have some life experience, and it's it's always kind of funny when I talk sometimes to hosts who say, you know, yeah, this person wanted to come on my show, and yeah, they were an 18 year old life coach. It's like, you know, go get some life, you know, go get some life and then come back and do that. You, you mentioned a minute ago about walking the walk and, and talking the talk. And I think that's something I try to do. I don't have all the answers, but I have some things. I've experienced some things in life that I really think can help other individuals. And I'm, I want to share that. It's, it's, part of, it's part of me. It's wanting to make a difference in people's lives. Somebody once asked me, how do I, how do I want to be remembered? And I said, I really, I really don't care about being remembered. But what I want to do is to be able to connect, to connect with other people and make a positive difference in my life, in their life. If I can do that, then however I'm remembered after I'm gone, I'm good with. Whoa, that is mind-blowingly huge. I've never heard that before. And I'm like, I'm I'm ready to study that out. Uh, that's all that will leave that right where it is. I will be studying that out on my walk tonight. Um Terry, tell us, what, what's your vision for those that you serve? I just want to make their lives uncommon and extraordinary. I think we were all born to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. And that has nothing to do with how much money we make, what kind of car we drive, what job we have, where we live, or anything like that. It is really what your purpose is in life and finding that purpose, using your unique gifts and talents, and living that purpose. Jackson, I think so many people kind of feel that they're born empty and that when they get out of school and they kind of get into life, that their job then is to fill themselves up. You know, I want to get a great education so I can get a great job, make a lot of money and drive a nice car, live in a nice house, have a great family. And they fill themselves up and they think somehow that's going to make them happy or fulfilled. And what I found is it's just the opposite. We're not born empty. We're born full. We're born yeah. everything we need to be successful in our lives, however you define that word, already inside of us. We just need to find it, pull it out, and use it for our benefit. So our life shouldn't be about what I can get. It should be about emptying ourselves out for the betterment, certainly of ourselves, but also for the betterment of our family, of our friends, of our community, of our country. And I think people who serve, people who give, 
all the much more happy, much, much happier, much more fulfilled life than people who think I'm going to fill myself up because there's always one more thing. There's always a nicer car or the newest iPhone or the newest gadget. And if I get that, I'm going to be happy. And what I found is those people usually aren't happy by what they get. It's the people who give that really have happiness in their life. I love that. And there's there's lots of statistics nowadays to kind of prove this concept if for those who are uh, data analytic in nature. However, at the same time, don't 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 leave yourself shorthanded on that. Right. This is a feeling. This is something that is like like you said, it's within you. It's something that um, you already have within you. And, and you mentioned um, some people don't don't realize that, that like they're looking for that external. I, th- I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are kind of carved out in the beginning of their life as well, right? They have people in their life who don't want to see them succeed, um, whether it's a competing sibling or a competing cousin or friends down the street, um, you know, where you have, you grow up with toxic parents, um, you know, that can carve you out as well, that box you in. And uh, I think a lot of people have good intentions, but we kind of, we kind of do that to others, don't we? Um, how do you, how do you make sure to fill yourself up when you're in an environment, I'm going to test you here. I don't even know if you know this answer um, or have one for yourself, but how do you fill yourself up if the world's pulling things out of you or putting down what's what you want to feel confident about? I think it has to do with your values and, and the things that you find sort of foundational or unmovable in your life, things that you know they, they are the bedrock of your soul. And I think a lot of it also has to do with who you surround yourself with. You know, Jackson, if I didn't know you, but I knew the five people that you hung around with the most, I could probably tell you a lot about your, your background, your goals, your motivation, how you define success, things that we don't know unless we hang around people. And, you know, we, we tend to have these people, you know, we, we care about what other people think. And I'm not sure we want why we do that. Why do you let people rent space in your head mm-hmm. that have never been one for one minute walked in your shoes, who don't understand your life, who doesn't don't understand your goals? So I always try to tell people: surround yourself with people that make you better, that uplift you, that care about you, that love you, that are willing to tell you the truth, even if that truth may sacrifice the relationship they have with you. And, and that's what we do. You know, somebody says, oh, Terry, hey, you're messing up. What do we do? We try to ostracize those people. We try to move them out of the, oh, no, no, you're, you're, not, you're not part of me. No, those are the people you need in your life. You need people who are willing to love you enough that they're willing to tell you the truth, even if that truth hurts you. Right. And I think the intent has a lot to do with that. Right. You know, it's it's about making sure those are people who are looking out for your good, um, you know, in, in a healthy fashion. One thing that you say, again, it just hit me so profound. I can't wait to, to look into it further. But I got to look into it now with you. You said, I really don't care about how I'm remembered. And, you know, you care about the kind of the, the present. Are you are you blessing people's lives, for lack of a better word? Um, are you making a difference and those that you're servicing in the here and now um that is such a profound shift for anybody to make um what are some of the the steps that people can take to move towards a mindset focused on on being valuable in the moment 
I, I think a couple things. I, I think number one, you've got to control your own mind. You, you've got to be, you know, you've you've got to be a leader. And a leader is an individual who is they take responsibility for the success or the accomplishment of, of a mission, whatever that mission is. In addition, they take responsibility for the people that are carrying out that mission. I remember reading a Gallup poll recently that said that worldwide, only 13% of employees are engaged in their job, are engaged with their company. And in the United States, that number is about 20%. And I think part of it has to do with, with authenticity, because another part of that Gallup poll was employees don't expect their leaders to make ethical decisions and tell them the truth. Oh, heck no. I and I think that's that's horrible. That, that You know, I, I mean, you don't have people that you can count on, that you can rely on. And the, and the other thing about leadership is leaders serve the people conducting the mission, not the other way around. It's not like, well, hey, I'm the boss. So, you know, go get my bride, <laughs> get my wife, the, you know, their, the, the Christmas present and stuff like that. No, I am here to serve you. I am here right. to make your life the best I possibly can. And I learned, I went to college at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, a military mm -hmm. school. And we learned about principle-centered leaders. That's what that's what I learned in the four years that I was that's there. That's cool. What are your principles and how do you lead to those principles? Jeez, what a great college. My goodness. Um, uh, we could use that at all levels. Um, you know, the my I grew up reading those, uh, they're called the virtue books. Um, and there's a public figure and they represented that public figure with the virtue they followed to help them accomplish what they accomplished in history. Um, anyway, um, that, that reality, that opportunity, I, I, I've been looking to create a program like that for kids that's modern because the modern generations will benefit tremendously from having that same type of guidance. Now, let's talk a little bit about, um, what you're going through health wise. Um, I got to quantify that a little bit before we jumped on the show, but I want to make sure those who are listening understand this because I'm also going to ask you about what your vision is for you. But as you get ready to talk about that, I'm limited to 15 seconds on this. What's your, what's your vision, but where are you at right now? Because I, I think other people who face similar challenges, they don't, they don't look very far down the road. But I think you do. So what, what, tell, tell me about it. What's your vision for you? And what are you facing right now as obstacles for that vision? So I, I'm, I'm experiencing a, a, a rare form of, of melanoma, which most people think of melanoma as too much exposure to the sun, affects the melon, the pigment in your skin. Mine has nothing to do with it. I had a rare form that appeared on the bottom of my foot back in 2012. At that time, I was told it was a death sentence. You've got a death sentence here. You'll be lucky to live two years. And I thought, you know what? What you don't know, doctor, you don't know my heart. You don't know my, my mind. You don't know my soul. You don't know that I want to see my daughter graduate from high school and go on to attend the Air Force Academy. And I got to see her graduate from that. And then two years ago, walk her down the aisle to get married. So wow. you don't know that. You don't know my heart. You don't my, know my mind. You don't know my soul. I know I've gone over my 15 seconds. But, but I think no, that's... No, I get it. This is, this is exactly what we need. No, but... It, it, and so... You know, I, I, I took what the doctor said and said, OK, I've got a death sentence. Can I turn that into a life sentence? And that's what I think I've done for the last 11 and a half years. And there have been so many times I probably should have died, but didn't. And I think that's because 
I have a very strong faith. God's not done with me yet. You know, when I die, where I die, how I die, way above my pay grade. Don't spend a lot of time worrying about the dying part. Spend more time focusing on the living part. And that living part, as I said to you before, is about connecting with other people. Wow. I appreciate that. I mean, so many of us don't think that that's way above our pay grade, right? Some of us, a lot of us are focused on, man, how do we avoid that? How do we prolong that? Um, you know, how do we, how do we escape that? Um, and you know, you've, you recognize that it's out of, it's out of your control. It's external, but internally you can control what you do with the time that you're given. And I absolutely love that. Um, and so you had this doctor, um, just curious, did you, did you keep the doctor, um, you know, or did you look for a new doctor? What, what went on there? No, it, it, you know, it's funny because I, I, I've been diagnosed and, and they, my wife and I were in this very sterile exam room at MD Anderson cancer center in Houston. And the, the doctor said, you know, can, can I speak to you and to my wife out in the hall? And she, she told my wife, she said, you know, we have nothing to offer him for melanoma other than surgery. So he's probably going to be dead in two years. Is he going to be okay with that? And my wife looked at her and said, you go ahead and tell him that. And see what happens, you know. And, and, I, and I love that about my wife. It's like, yeah, he's not going to roll over just because you said he's got two years, two years to get to, to live. So it was like, okay, fine. You, you know, when you face your own mortality, it, it takes away the power it has on you. But I had my leg amputated in 2020 because of the disease, and I found out I had these tumors in my lungs. And I went with my wife to the mortuary, into the cemetery, into the church, and I planned my funeral. And because I go on podcasts and I speak in person about motivation and the need to keep moving forward, I actually got some brushback from people who commented mm -hmm. that somehow planning my funeral was in some way defeatist. And I had to remind these folks that the last time I checked, we're all going to die. Don't think anybody's <laughs> working on a cure for life right now. Jackson, every one of us is going to die, yeah. but not every one of us is truly going to live. And I'll end it with this. I heard a Native American Blackfoot proverb years ago that I absolutely love. And it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Wow, that is cool. That is awesome. Um, so that defeatist mentality thought that, that some people hang on to. I mean, you, you can't change how people feel or what they think and nor do you need to, nor do you probably care. Um, you know, it's, you probably care about them, but not the fact that they've misrepresented or misplaced your reality. But anytime we buy insurance, right. Anytime we're saving money for the future, that's not a defeatist mentality. That's preparation for an experience, ultimately an experience we either want to have, or we want to give for others. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you put yourself ahead of the curve in that regard. Same thing with somebody who creates a will. You know, that's just like smart planning for your children. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the principle in that. Um, tell me, so what's on your horizon? What's that vision look like moving forward? I think right now it's, it's um, I'm prepping for, for another book. I, I wrote a book back in 2020, and it was a book about success. And I think success is what we do for ourselves. And this, this next book is going to be about another topic that begins with S, and that is going to be significance. I think success is what we do for ourselves. 
I think significance is what we do for other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you can be successful and significant, but I want this second book to be more about how you can be significant, significant in your own life, but significant in other people's life as well. Because what I found with cancer is that cancer tends to isolate you, I think, initially from your friends and then your family, and then I think even from yourself. So I want to I want to I want to make a book, I want to create a book, I want to write a book about significance and how we can be significant in our own lives and in the lives of others. I like that. Now, I got to ask, are you familiar with Dan Clark? I am and, not. Okay, I'm planning a seed for you as a um an acquaintance of mine, uh great friend of a great friend wrote the book, The Art of Significance. Um, and okay. he had to go through some difficult challenges as well of being paralyzed during football and then have going through 17 doctors who told him he never walk again and then become an astronaut and an award-winning artist, music artist, and all sorts of really cool things. And he walks just fine, uh, at least from what I, I could tell. Um, he has an incredible story. You guys would be so dynamically powerful. He was number two speaker in the world as well at one point. Um, so you guys, you remind me a lot of Dan Clark. Um, and that has to do with your, your hmm, meditation, wisdom, dedication to significance, to making this life matter um, and count. So I'm going to ask you, what would you claim or what would you say has been your worst business experience or even life experience feel free to email me a little bit there what's been one of the darker aspects of of your life what'd you go through well certainly the cancer journey and, and and my father having cancer when i graduated from school but from a from a business point of view don't take business advice from me i, I made the brilliant business decision to start a motivational speaking business just as COVID hit and <laughs> and like so many other companies, you know, nobody was doing anything either in person or virtually. So I had to figure out a different way to deliver my message. And somebody had reached out to me. Somebody reached out to me and said, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? And I, Jackson, this is absolutely true. I looked at him and I said, sure. What's a podcast? <laughs> I, I, had, I had absolutely no idea what a podcast was. So, well, we have a conversation and we, we record it, we put it up on social media. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, very uncomfortable, very nervous, had posted notes all around the camera, you know, and, and he would ask me a question during the podcast and I would lean in and I'd kind of read the posted note. And I was, I was horrible. I was terrible. And I remember talking to my publisher and I said, Scott, I listen to every podcast I've ever been on because I want to see how many times they say, um, or huh, or do I have a better story? Or can I tighten that story up? Because I really think stories, that's how we learn. That's how we, we remember we remember things. And he said, no, no, Terry, it's, it's not about being good. It's just about not sucking. And I said, well, thanks for the title of my next book. You know, just don't suck. But not really. It's, it's, that's not going to be it. But I said, no, I want to make sure that the host feels that the, the 15 minutes, the half hour, the hour, whatever they spend with me, is time well spent spent for themselves, but also for their audience? What did their audience get something positive out of it? So that was that was a really dark time for me. I 
but but I thought back uh, the first time I ever cooked a meal, the first time I ever drove, the first time I ever studied algebra. Was I any good at it? No, I was I was terrible at it. And about eight months ago, I I was a guest on a a podcast, and and the individual, the host, had been a former NFL player. He, he, mm -hmm. This guy's like six foot eight, like three hundred twenty pounds. He was an NFL lineman. And we were talking afterwards, and he said, "You know, Terry, when I when I started my podcast, I didn't think anybody would listen to me. I didn't think anybody would care about what I had to say." And I said, "Marcus, how could you say that? You you've reached the pinnacle of your of your sport, your, of your profession. His brother's in the NFL Hall of Fame." I said, "Marcus, how could you think nobody would listen to you?" But I think it goes back, and I hate the words imposter syndrome, but I I just yeah. think sometimes. Yeah, we don't think that our life matters. And I remember reading a, an article one time that said, I think it was 83% of Americans feel they have a book inside of them, whether it's a memoir or whether it's a fiction book. Yeah. And less than 1% of those people will ever write that book. Hmm. So I, I, your story matters. I don't care what you do. Whatever you've experienced in life, it matters, and it matters to somebody that you probably don't even know about. Well said. All right, Terry. So there you took me you know, like four different paths that I wanted to go down. And I'm like, oh, I just want to take this for hours and, and continue this. Um, so imposter syndrome, I got to circle back to that first. Um, you, you said you hate that, that um, I guess that way of describing whatever that feeling is redefine it for us. Give us something to grasp onto. Um, for those of us who've been, I guess, either chasing the shadow, um, you know, or, or looking at that and trying to understand it. I, I'll, I'll use the quote. I'm going to paraphrase the quote from Rick, Victor Frankel in Man's Search for Meaning. Hmm. You have a moral obligation to find your purpose in life and live it. Yeah. Understanding that, that must mean you have a purpose, that you have something you're supposed to do while you are here. I think finding that purpose gives you your story. It gives you something to, to hang on to that this was important. It may not be anything big. It may not be anything huge, but I love, um, you're probably familiar with Ed Milet, the, the yep. entrepreneur. I love, he talks about the four types of people in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the first group are the unmotivated. And, yeah. he, and he, he says, that's the, the vast majority of people you come in contact with. Second group he talks about are the motivated, which is sort of a carrot and stick approach to life. If I do this, I will probably get that. It's a life simply based on motivation, kind of low level, but it works for a lot of people. And yep. then the third group he talks about are the inspirational people. The word mm -hmm. inspiration coming from two words in spirit. So if you're an inspirational person, you move people with your energy. And then the last group he talks about are the aspirational people, where people aspire to be like you. And a lot of times when I talk, I will bring this up and I'll, I'll, I just do it kind of as a joke, a show of hands. How many people are unmotivated? Nobody raises their hand. You know, nobody at all. <laughs> well, the unmotivated people aren't going to be motivated to raise their hand. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's so, and I love that. It's like, where are you on that continuum? Are you an inspirational person? Are you a motivated pe person? Are you an, an aspirational person? I'm a long way from it, but I aspire to be in that aspirational category. Oh, be, be, your your humility goes too far there. 
Terry. Um, I think a lot of people will hear your voice in this podcast alone and be like, man, I want, I'm thinking that I'm thinking, man, I want to bring this energy to my own environment that you bring to my podcast. So I will say there's a lot of aspiration in me towards you already. So thank you for that. Um, Diving into uh, that imposter syndrome, one other side of it real quick, because again, I think we can unlock something here uh, for people. There's still people who face it though, right? Even though you, you have the certainty that just, just ignore it, you know, like just kill it and move on. Um, I heard Taylor Welch talk about this. He talked about how um, Michael Phelps, I doubt he verified this with Michael Phelps, by the way. Um, but he said, when Michael Phelps is trying to break his record, um, you know, break the world record and his own, uh, there's likely something in his mind going like, I don't know if I can do this. Right. And he has to learn to challenge that and overcome that. Um, and that's where he so he basically uses it to teach that, hey, you're not unusual for feeling imposter syndrome. If you have it, we, we all face it in some form or fashion. Um, and that's kind of his approach. So do you kill it? Is he kind of right there? I'm curious about your your take on that. What, what do you think Michael feels? You know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to add another quote to that because I, I yeah. Usain Bolt, probably the, the, the fastest man in the world. Well, yeah, hearing him say, I worked four years to run nine seconds and people quit. People give up. People think their story doesn't matter after doing something for two months. And and if you if you put those in perspective Hmm. four years to run nine seconds and then we quit, we give up. We think we have no value, no worth no purpose in life after two months, after trying something after. And, and, you know, we used to tell it to our daughter that play to your strengths. What are your unique gifts and talents? What, what do you enjoy? Play to those, get involved in those. I I mean, I am not good in, you know, if you you made me be an accountant, you you would end up in jail for, because the IRS would come after you. Cause I'm, (laughs) I'm, that's not, that's not my forte. Play to your strengths. Yeah. You all have strengths. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And that's, again, that's part of leadership. You know, if you're a leader, do you know what your strengths and weaknesses are? Or do you think you're great at everything? I can tell you right now, I'm not great at everything. Right. And I would need to bring in other people. I was listening to a master class with Susan or with uh, Sarah Blakely, who started Spanx, who's married to Jesse Itzler. Hmm. And she talked about, I was good at sales. And that's pretty much what I was good at. And I didn't know the rest of this stuff. So I found people and brought them in either full-time as, you know, with a full-time job or as a piecemeal thing to do the things that I, I wasn't good at. But that goes back to knowing yourself. Do you know what your strengths and weaknesses are? I love that. And you hit you hit the powerful lesson right on the head with that too. So I was like, well, I'll just bring this up after the fact because you nailed it. Um, you got self-awareness. There's a tremendous amount of self-awareness uh, that you've found to be able to understand your strengths. And that's what our opportunity is, is look internally. What are my strengths and how do I use them? You also mentioned something earlier. You said, don't come to you for business guidance. And I like that you said that. I'm going to double down on that. I'm going to take that a step further, though. Um, when it comes to business and running a business, you're talking about open heart surgery. And that's what most entrepreneurs fail to realize, Terry. Don't come to anybody. You're not ready. Like I can tell you what needs to happen in that in that heart surgery if I'm a surgeon and I'm qualified to do that. But if you go and attempt that, 
you're going to kill somebody. <laughs> That's not a good thing to do. Well, I'm sorry, but business is that hard. There are that many elements to it and growing it. And, you know, because it's so common and cool to talk about entrepreneurship and going your way with it. And it it's dangerous. Um, it, it's a dangerous game to play alone if you think you have it all figured out. And that's kind of true for anything in life, isn't it? If you think you have it figured out, life's going to gut check you and help you see that you don't. Um, so with that said, I want to dive into something a little bit prettier, a little bit more lovely. What's your best experience in business and in life, Ben? What does that look like? I think certainly my, my best experience in life has, has been my family. Uh, you know, my, my parents taught, you know, I've, I've got a brother who was a pitcher for the University of Notre Dame. Another brother was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA and then myself. So we're, you, you've got because mom lived at the store, you know, she was always getting another gallon of milk or, or more meat or whatever <laughs> right. it was. It was, and then, you know, so I'm six, eight, I got a brother, six, seven, a brother, six, six, and my dad was six, five. So we used to joke that if you sat behind our family in church growing up, not a prayer <laughs> chance, you were going to see anything that was going on. But <laughs> it, it, that was really the truth. But it, it really came back to what we learned at, from, from our parents. I mean, it started, about caring for each other, loving each other, helping each other and wanting to be, you know, that was my best experience. And, and my wife and daughter and I now, our, our daughter's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. And we couldn't be prouder of her. This, this was a young woman who in middle school had all kinds of learning issues, but again, learned differently, learned with color, learned with music. And, and again, that goes back to what I talked before, play to your strengths, what right. worked for you, use that. And so that, you know, certainly that was my best experience. My family has been, that's not going to change. My best business experience is when I got out of law enforcement, I started a school security consulting business and I was able to work with schools around the United States to improve their physical security, write their policies and procedures, train their staff. And that to me was one of the most rewarding things that I had an opportunity to do. That's awesome. Okay. And I appreciate you highlighting and diving into family. Um, I, I would absolutely agree. What a blessing it is uh, to have children, to be able to get to serve them um, and, and see them grow. Um, and I'll hopefully we plant those seeds to help them see their opportunity to become their best selves. And as you mentioned, play to their strengths. What about best, uh, do not plant this back towards me, excluding Vision Pros Live, 100%. What about best podcast interview experience? What's been your, what are, what are your top one, two, three favorites? I, I, I think my all-time favorite was I, I did a podcast with a, a gentleman in Canada, and he was a former law enforcement officer, and we had a pre-call. And when we did the podcast, unbeknownst to me, he had reached out to the Cincinnati Police Department and my old partners and my old bosses and things like that and brought them on afterwards just to kind of reminisce. You want to see a grown man cry? I, I was crying like a baby, seeing these people, knowing that I had cancer that were there to support me and things like that. It was it was an absolutely amazing experience. And so that was that just sticks out in my mind because I got to to reconnect with some of these people that I hadn't seen in, you know, 15 years and things like that. Um, wow. I, I did a, I, I did another one with, with a, 
it was it was kind of an interesting. It was a podcast. It was a panel podcast on business yeah. communication or leadership communication. And the moderator was in Shanghai, China. There was me talking about what I learned from being a hostage negotiator. There was a management psychologist in Greece. And then there was a guy in Virginia whose job was to recruit spies for the CIA. <laughs> and, the, and the four of us had a, a podcast about leadership, about communication within leadership. And that, that was a pretty interesting podcast. And, and one of the things I'll, I'll, I'll say this, we've all probably taken those, you know, Myers-Briggs and Enneagrams and all these different tests to tell us what kind of person we are, what kind of individual we would most associate it with in the business world and things like that. And one of the things that this, this woman, this uh, management psychologist said, she said, yes, I use those tools. But what I find is that most people will rate themselves much higher or much better on that scale. It's more not where I am. It's more rated like where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And she says, so I take that with a grain of salt, but I go into the business, to, to, the, uh, to the office with them and see if the way they, they, they came out on that, on that exam or that test is actually the way they are or the way they operate in the business mm -hmm. world. And she said, what I find is usually that's not the case. They think they're here. And in the business world, they're kind of down here. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, I just did a pre-show with Scott. Uh, Scott, and his last name starts with an R. It's hard to pronounce. Sales architects. No, scale architects. Um, and he has this great ebook um, that talks about how the imagine a coach on the in, the in the final play of the game gets so anxious for his team to win that when the ball is thrown he runs down there as fast as he can and catches it in the end zone and starts doing his celebration dance um you know but he pisses off everybody in the process because he's gone out well that's entrepreneurship he's like you you have a new role you're on the sidelines at this point and you have to learn to play by a new dynamic and i think that she highlights she kind of points that out is that you know, if you're running a business, you might have been good at those things in that role in your past, but you're in a whole new territory. You're in a whole new role now, and you have to learn to to do things differently. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, that story. Also, that what an amazing podcaster. Um, and I, I just wrote a, an email series, Terry, on the value of the pre-show because most people don't get it right now. Pre-shows, pre you know, are I guess people are using them in funky ways, um, and a lot of people guess think they don't want a pre-show, they don't need a pre-show, and I'm like, Michael Jordan would demand a pre-show, yes, uh, his, but his assistant would attend it, um, you know. And so if you don't have an assistant, you better be in your own pre-show. But that's how you that's how you gather the right information to really represent somebody super well. So I'm glad you highlighted that on the show. Anybody who's listening wants to share your vision understand the value of building the relationship up front with the person who's hosting you so they can represent you as well as possible with the audience. Then you talk about this panel podcast. By the way, I would love to have you in a leadership panel. That is something we have our first panel coming up. It is on emergency preparedness. Um, and we've got a bunch of emergency responding, uh, responder leaders in the world coming on to talk and about emergency preparedness, how it relates to vision, how it relates to entrepreneurship. We'll go the full nine yards on that. But if you'd like to, I would love to start preparing one with you and a number of other awesome people, perhaps Dan Clark, 
Um, you know, perhaps some of these people we mentioned on the show, Ed Milet, we can invite him and see if he's willing to come. Um, but that would be phenomenal. You are a great leader. And uh, thank you for, for building yourself the way that you have. Well, thank you for having me. This is this has been a lot of fun, and and I would I would love to be on a panel uh, with whatever guests you have because I'm sure you've I've listened to your 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 podcasts and and they're amazing. You, you have great people on. You give great information, and people would be idiots not to listen to you. Thanks, Terry. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Anybody anybody who's listening and wants to contribute to that idea, if you want on it, just comment. Um, you know, on the, in the show notes, uh, rather on, on the, if you're listening on YouTube, comment on there, Twitter, we'll see it. We're happy to invite you on and consider you to be in that lineup. You don't have to be Ed Milet, um, to be included in a leadership conversation. You could be somebody who's unknown outside of the territory of the four people that you serve as a leader. But if you serve well as a leader and we get to know you in the pre-show, then we can say, Hey, wow, we'd love to have your wisdom included in this experience. Now, Terry, if you, if you really do want to do that with me, I would love to include whoever you also admire or work with on your circle. Um, let's let them know and say, okay. hey, come on out. Let's do this. What I like to I, I've, I've told past people, I think the best thing to do for a panel is one. I want to get enough diversity where different ideas are well represented. And I also want to create enough time where we've got 90 minutes to, to two hours somewhere in there. And we got real time where we can debate, not just listen to the quick dialogues of, oh, let me pass you the mic now. Oh, we got to make sure she gets some time now. So let's just cut you off at 15 seconds. You're not going to get any depth. No, that I don't. I, I like them. They're nice panels. You get to know about great people. But that's not that's not the type of debate. That's not the type of depth that I want. If I'm going to have those people put their time together, let's go. Let's let's, let's really get hard. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? I'd love that. That would be outstanding. Okay. Well, I'll start working on my side. I'm going to start putting some people together for, for that lineup. And uh, if you can contribute a few more bodies, that would be awesome. Um, where, where can people best reach out to you? Um, if they want to get in touch, they want to bring you on as a speaker, you got the website. Is there another place, another social media site that you might guide people towards? I spend most of my time on, and I have the different social media platforms, but LinkedIn is really where I spend uh, most of my time. And then you can you can access all my social media sites at motivationalcheck.com, which is my website. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you heard Terry. Go ahead and check out the website on that Vision Pros. And uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, if you if you have any ideas for people that you want to nominate as well to be on the show, don't hesitate to drop that in the comments. Um, as you get ready to connect with Terry, I'll just give you a couple tips. Just be a human being. Just appreciate him. Just send him a normal message of, hey, I'd love to catch up with you. I have a feeling you'll probably get on his radar. If he doesn't respond, know that he might be in demand of several thousand or millions of people based on what, he can, what stages he continues to get on. But I will say this, be persistent. If you really care, if you really want, you know, to get that advice, that attention, then just reach out to him because I can tell the man's willing to give wisdom and, and serve. And uh, I just I hope that those of you who are listening, take that advice and apply it to anybody in your life that you feel is going to provide value to you. Use it and use it well time and time again. So Vision Pros, thanks for joining us on the show today. We appreciate having you in. Terry, it's been my honor to host you. Thanks for joining me on Vision Pros Live. Jackson, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation.
Likewise, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you 